Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. Throughout my ministry, I've come across so many brothers and sisters who still struggle to believe that they are fully righteous before God. Yes, they believe and they do confess that Jesus is Christ, He's the Messiah, that His blood was shed for them. But in their experience, they are often not sure if they are fully accepted and fully approved and fully favored of God. It's as though, on the one hand, they confess the Lord, but they don't have a revelation, an understanding of what this Lord really did for them on the cross. Many of the believers that I come across only believe that Jesus died for them so that they could go to heaven. And this is pretty much where the gospel stops for many folk. Jesus died so I can go to a happy place. I can go to a beautiful place called heaven. But the New Testament also teaches that Jesus died so that you could be made righteous with God even as you live a life in the flesh, as you traverse this world and you live in your humanity with all of its weakness, nevertheless, the New Testament's revelation is you are fully and utterly, entirely righteous with God. Again, many folk would confess Jesus is the Lord, But in their experience, they fear that they don't measure up. They fear that they fall short of God's acceptance and approval. And so often they feel as though the negative things that happen to them is a little bit of God's judgment upon them. Because I didn't pray enough, because I didn't fast long enough, because I I didn't give as much as I could have, or I didn't go to that country, or I didn't help that person. God has it out for me. He has a bone to pick with me. And so a lot of believers feel, though they are saved and they're going to heaven, on this side of eternity, uh, they still have to earn a little bit of their keep with God, their favor with God, so to speak. And this kind of uh, understanding causes you to live in a sin consciousness perpetually, And a sin consciousness breeds a kind of a condemnation within you. And that condemnation makes you hide and fearful and skeptical and cynical. And so you're not walking with God according to the pattern and the rhythm of the New Testament. The way those folk in the New Testament walked with God. For many of us, that is simply not our experience. So in this message, I just want to bring to your attention what righteousness is. If the Lord is my righteousness, Yahweh tit canoe, if, if Yahweh is my rightness, then what is that? 
And in this message, I want to highlight four things for you that, in a way, Christ did. Four things your mediator, your substitute Jesus did for you, not just to take you to heaven, but while you're in this flesh, to declare you righteous. And I think this message is really going to convict you and stir deep within you that God is at peace with you and you can be at peace with him. I want to read for you the text here from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 15 and onwards, where Paul speaks a little bit about this righteousness. Of course, you can read it all throughout the book of Romans and scattered throughout the New Testament. But particularly this section here in 2 Corinthians 5 is just so beautiful. I'm reading from verse 15. And Christ died for all. So that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. And so we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Yahweh Tzitkenu, it comes from the book of Jeremiah. At the top of your notes, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, declares Jehovah, declares Yahweh, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. That is a prophetic description of Jesus Christ. I, I don't want to go into the depth of that description. But God is going to raise up a righteousness. See, the nation is trying to, to keep all these, uh, let's say, obligations, but their righteousness is never complete. So God says, I'm going to raise up out of the lineage of David a righteous branch. That is a prophetic picture of Christ. It's going to be the right one. He's going to live right with God. 
and then he is going to give his rightness to you. So he shall reign as king. I just want you to notice this prophetic word. He shall reign. He's going to be Lord. In a righteous way, he will rule and reign. That's initially an indictment on the kings of uh, Judah and the kings of Israel back in the Old Testament time. Those kings did not live righteously. They did not walk rightly. They went after idolatries and they mingled with other cultures. And so they just didn't live the God life. So God is basically saying, I'm going to raise up a man out of the offspring of David, and he's going to live righteously. He will rule and reign. And I also want to say, if we fast forward to you and I's day, is that he wants righteousness to rule over you. He's going to rule in righteousness, unlike the other kings, but bring it to my day. He wants righteousness to rule over you. So you're not one day a sinner and the next day you're, you're clean. And then one day a sinner. Like righteousness wants to prevail. And I find Christians that don't have a consciousness of acceptance before God. We constantly have a consciousness of how, how, how short we still fall. So righteousness don't rule over me. Condemnation rules over me. Okay. So back to the original text here. He's going to deal wisely with my people. The initial context is that the kings of Judah are not wise kings. They are foolish kings. But this branch that's going to come, this Christ Messiah figure, he will reign and rule with wisdom. And so a Christian, bring it to you in ice day, when the Lord rules over my life and reigns over my life, I will have a righteous living with him, and there will be wisdom involved in that righteous living. He shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved. That word, they're saved. They will dwell securely. These are all descriptions of this branch of righteousness and what he will do for you. You'll be saved by this righteousness. You will be in security because of this righteousness. These are all beautiful aspects of this messianic figure. And this is the name by which he will be called. That he there is, is Jesus Christ. He will be called Yahweh, our righteousness. So one of the things we can say is that Christ died... To become your rightness with God. Your righteousness. Christ didn't just die to take you to heaven. He didn't just, just die for your sin. There's many reasons He died. Here's one more. He died to make you forever permanently right with God. Now you just have to check the fruit of your life. Do you live permanently like this? Or do you live permanently walking with God? Because... That indicates whether the Lord is your righteousness or you are still living by your own righteousness.
So this is a, a, a biblical verse that makes a statement. You are reconciled to God. You are righteous. It states that. Now I want to say, what is my experience? What can I expect to experience if I'm so-called righteous with God? Is everybody with me? So I want to propose for you four biblical, theologically rich words to consider as your experience. How will you experience the reality of this reconciliation, this right standing with God? So I have here a diagram for you. And... Um, don't sketch everything that I'm doing. I'm just trying to give you the concept initially. I have a couple of words here that is the experience of what's going to happen. But first, here's you and I. We live down here on planet Earth. Here is Almighty God. Actually, <laughs> let's color God a little bit prettier. Let's make him uncommon. I am not right with God. I was born into sin. At Legacy, I teach that sin stands for Satan's intrinsic nature has been added into my being. And that satanic intrinsic nature that is rampant in my being has alienated me from God. So there is, in my sketch here, there's a little bit of a gap between God and I. God and I are not reconciled. We are not on the same page. So I try now to do a lot of things for God. So I work really hard. But it's as though there is a barrier here that prevents anything that I'm doing to actually reach God. So I pray harder and I give more and I, I even offer my body to be burned and I, I live sacrificially and I choose not to marry and I choose not to eat. And we try to, to do things and don't do things. And Because why do we do all these things? Because we want to be reconciled. All of us know we're exiled. All of us know God is Father. And so we all start this journey, what can I do to please Him a little bit more? And of course, that's what all religions do. We all know something is off. We're not connected to the source, being Yahweh, being God. And so everybody comes up with a theory. Well, let's do this religion. Let's do this practice. Let's avoid this. Let's get rid of that. Get rid of that. Let's do more of that. And yet for all of our doing, Shakespeare said it best. We are much ado about nothing. Because it's, it's, it's as though it just it cannot reach the throne of God. So God said, okay, I will come down and scoop you up and reconcile you to me. I'll do the work. Thank you for trying. It's obviously not cutting the mustard. I will come and do this. So God comes in the form of a mediator. God comes in the form of a man. A man that is of God, 
but a man that is of man. So this man can then stand in the gap and he can bring God to me and he can bring me to God. So he acts as a mediator to do what? To, to, to reconcile so that things are set right between me and God again. So that's why Christ came. Christ is a mediatorial figure. He mediates this reconciliation according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Okay, now, here is a picture of what this mediator does. Here is Jesus Christ, as you can clearly see. And here is myself. And here is God by way of a picture. So this mediator is going to uh, facilitate reconciliation. Why? To accomplish several things. I want to propose for you four things that will make it right between me and God. God and I are at odds. This mediator is going to do things that will get God and I intimate again, walking again. The first thing that this mediator will accomplish or that he will do is he will facilitate atonement. The second thing is he will facilitate expiation, propitiation. Another thing this mediator will have to do is he will have to redeem me. And lastly, there will be this issue of substitution. So these four things will accomplish several experiences that has righteousness written all over it. So atonement is when this mediator reconciles me to God. Propitiation is when this mediator releases me from something. Redemption is when this mediator returns me. And substitution is when this mediator replaces me. Massive concepts. I want to see if I can make it simple for you. But before we get into some pictures to try to describe what this mediator has to accomplish to reconcile and to have this righteousness, this right relationship, here are four words that are the experiences of this mediator's work. When he atones and he reconciles, there will be the restoration of relationship. Relationship. And we hear this often. Jesus died so you could have a relationship with him. Except I ask people, what does that mean? And nobody can tell me. But in the word actually is the secret. You will have a relation to God again. You will be related to God, not related to sin, not related to the world. See, in the family dynamic, I am related to my parents, right? But now this mediator is going to atone for me and he's going to relate me to God. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Amen. So you're no longer related to the flesh, the old creation. You have relationship with God. You are related to God. So check with your experience. 
do you live in this reconciled relationship with God, this righteousness that was given to you? Do you relate to God? Or do you only relate to the world? That is, do you relate to God? He's my parent. He's my source. He's my provider. He's my healer. He's my guide, my shepherd. That's relationship. You relate everything to Him. That's what this mediator will do for you. And when you begin to relate your life to God, I'm not just an accident. I have a calling. I have a purpose. He's leading me. He's filling me. When you begin to relate to God, that's the fruit of righteousness. The second thing that this mediator will have to do, this work of this person who stands in the gap, is that he will have to propitiate for you. It's a very difficult word to describe. Your Bible would probably have the word, he would expiate for you. It's a legal term. He will release you from a kind of a bondage. But the issue here, the experience because of this release is absolute freedom. Absolute freedom. See, when I'm incarcerated and in bondage, I can't live. I'm stuck. So a mediator can come and set things right. So what is righteousness? On the one hand, it's to be in relation with God again, to relate everything of my life to Him. Because verse 15 in 2 Corinthians says, I don't belong to myself anymore. I now belong fully to Him. Everything in me relates to God. That's righteousness. But secondarily here is that this mediator is going to do something to release me from prison so that I live a free life. I am right back in society. A debt is paid. I don't have to worry anymore. They're going to come get me. I can pull up my shoulders, have confidence. I can just live. Freedom is the experience here. Why? Righteousness has been accomplished. When you and I are right with one another, I'm not suspicious of you. I don't have to second guess you. I'm confident. I'm relaxed around you. But when you and I have a little squirmish, um, then I shy away. I pretend. I kind of manipulate. I'm not free. I'm in bondage. So what is spiritual freedom? It's just to walk with God, enjoy God, and trust God. Why? Because that's the fruit of being right with God. What will this mediator do? Well, he will put you back in relationship. He will facilitate freedom so you can, you can live. The third thing that this mediator will do is he's going to buy you back. It's another concept you have all throughout your Bible. He's going to redeem you. But the issue here, when He redeems you and He buys you back and, and you return back to God, the issue here is that He reinstates you. He reinstates you. Here, I am a prisoner. I'm a slave. I'm an orphan. I'm under a curse. I'm a prodigal. I am alienated, I'm separated, I'm afraid, I have no dignity, no honor, no image. Welcome to Sinville. Now this mediator is going to come and he's going to 
pay a certain price, then he's going to bring me to the other side, and he's going to reinstate me. That is, he's going to put me back in place, reauthorize me, like a prodigal that comes back home. He's going to put sandals on your feet, a ring on your finger, and clothe you so that you have the right to live in that house. You are reinstated. You're not just uh, uh, an orphan anymore. You are now a son and a daughter. You're not just a, a sinner. You are right with God. You're an heir, and He gives you even the Holy Spirit. Why? You've been reinstated. What is that reinstatement? Righteousness. Okay, so this mediator, to make things right with me and God, does four things for me. He relates me back to God. He frees me to live in God. He reinstates me in God. And then lastly, and this is perhaps my most favorite one, he, he does a substitutionary sacrifice of sorts, this mediator. And in that sacrifice, he um, offers a replacement offering. These are all the concepts. But then here's what happens. Because of that sacrifice, because of that offering, that replacement, that substitutionary work, there is satisfaction. Satisfaction. So we read this word in the Bible, we say, Ah, oh, I've been made the righteousness of God. Okay, what does that mean? So we break it down, we say, Hey, God's okay with you. You should be okay with God. Okay, but what does that mean? You are righteous. Well, what does that mean? Here I want to give you four experiences that you can have. First, you know that you are, have been made righteous when you begin to relate to God. You have a relationship. Secondarily, you are free. You're not afraid anymore. Uh, thirdly, you're reinstated. You, 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 you dwell in the house of God. But lastly, there's a satisfaction. And this to me is, is absolutely an experience. I am satisfied in God and God is satisfied in me. What does righteousness do for you? It makes you content in God. That, that sacrifice that was given in Christ, that, that, that mediator that reconciled me to God, what does he really do? Restlessness stops and contentment comes in. You never wonder, have you missed it? Is God mad at me? You're just, you're just a-okay with God. And that experience very few of us have. We're always wondering, is there still something that He wants from me? Is there still something I can do for Him? Um, and, and we live in this analytical, restless um, attention instead of just walking with God. If you are schizophrenic before God, that is, you are afraid, you're constantly second-guessing, and you're living like this, and we see this on people's face. We see this in your behavior. You're so wondering. That whole fig leaf that cover up, you're not satisfied. 
And that's why you hop to different places for spiritual food and bread. And you think maybe if the grass is just greener on the other side, maybe if I go to this revival, maybe if I go there. And most of us are not really enjoying a walk with God there. We're going there because we're, we're, we're not satisfied in God. So how do you know you're righteous with God? You enjoy God in relation. You live free again, guilt-free. You live reinstated. You, you, you feel confident. I can ask God for anything because I know that He hears me. And lastly, I know that He's satisfied with me. I failed Him today, but I know He's not out to get me. He's not mad. He's satisfied with me. Okay, so I fail. I say, sorry, Dad. We, we, we grow again. We learn again. And I have the experience of satisfaction. I don't have to run around and be entertained and impressed. And, and, and I'm just satisfied and gone. So let me show you just this picture over here that has to do with atonement. So what does this mediator do? This mediator that sits here in the middle, he offers a gift so that there is a reconciliation. And so that's why I have here a handshake. What is atonement? What did Christ do? Well, there was no gift that I could give to God to make things right. And we've tried that, have we not? And you'll notice that the more you give to God, the less satisfied you will feel. It's just never going to work. Even good things, well, Lord, I'll do good today. Even those good things, it's just, it's not going to satisfy you. So Christ is well aware of the situation that I want to give a gift to God, to appease God, to set things right. So Christ says, hey, Francois, you just rest, my child. I will give myself a gift to God. So here's Father God by way of my example. Here's Father God. God cannot receive anything that I give Him because it's always tainted. The gift always has mold on it. I try to give gifts to God through sacrifice, etc., etc., and it's always tainted because there's an element of sin toxicity in it. So Christ comes as a mediator and he says, Francois, I got this. So he gives himself as the gift to God. We believe the Lord lived a sinless life, and we believe he died a perfect death. All that is his gift to the Father which is His righteous blood. So the Father over here receives Christ's gift, Himself, a perfect gift, and as a result, God can resume relationship with me. That's the picture of atonement. A, a, a gift is given so we could be related again. Number two, this is a fantastic uh, image here in... Um, the biblical languages is the word propitiation, expiation. 
which is different than atonement. Here, a payment is given to, to release somebody from, let's say, prison. So Francois committed an offense, and I am locked up in jail, let's say. And I do not have payment to get out of jail. I am bankrupt as they come. So for all practical purposes, I'm stuck in prison, jail, in perpetuity. But here comes a mediator, and he pays a payment that matches the crime. And so that payment is accepted, and I can be released. But propitiation actually has an experience to it. And the experience, you wrote in your notes there a minute ago, is freedom. Um, but the, <laughs> the Greek word for expiation, propitiation, is hilasterion. And it's where we get the word hilarious from. That is, when I get out of prison, how do I know I am right, I'm freed again, is that I will have expressions of freedom and joy, release. And so that's why I put a cartwheel person there. It's not like I accept the payment and the doors go open like, ah, oh, shoot, I'm so glad I'm free. Yay, God, thank you. No. The debt releases this weight on me so much that I am hilarious. So to propitiate is to make so hilariously free that there's exuberance and joy and thankfulness. And you live in freedom. Why? Because everything's right. The debt so fully released me, I can just make cartwheels. And so how will... You know that you are free in God, righteous with God. You live in the Spirit a certain life of joy and freedom, and you enjoy life with God. So the idea of propitiation is when all those bulls and goats and animals were slaughtered, especially um, the, the one goat whose blood was dripped on the mercy seat to make propitiation and expiation. What God wanted is not people over here to like, oh, well, thank you for being saved again. He wanted people to feel like, yay, we're free. That's what the blood on the mercy seat should do for you in your experience. That blood on the mercy seat says, you're right with God, man. Spin and cart and dance. This one's on me. So how do you know you're righteous with God? You'll have this experience uh, to live in freedom. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Don't be entangled again with the yoke of slavery. This is the idea of propitiation. How do you know you're righteous? You will live in joy. Redemption is another picture that you have in the Bible. And why are you redeemed? Why are you bought back? The idea here is to buy back. Um, so that you can be right with God. So redemption works this way. It, it's a little bit of a picture of, again, I'm in prison. And uh, my identity is prisoner, 
number 207689. And I wear, let's say, prison clothes. I eat prison food. I have no freedom in here. I live a very rigid life. I have to, let's say, I'm restricted. And you're under, you're, you're being judged while you're in that setting. So here I am. I'm sitting like this. I can't lift up my head. I can't, in confidence, uh, feel good about myself. I, I feel accused. I feel sorry. And, and just, I'm a mess. Here comes the mediator, and he pays the price. Uh, let's say a million dollars to, 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 to um, get me out of prison. But, but here's what's really at the heart of redemption. It's not just that I come out of prison again and just get by. It's as though I come out of prison and I'm invited into the palace. And I'm given a suit. And I'm reinstated in this palace. Hey, you're not a prisoner number 2784619. You're Francois, the son of God. You are my righteousness. In fact, you are an heir. I would like to give you everything I own. Why? Because I'm right with God. The price has so been paid, I can actually be reinstated. So what is redemption? It's to buy back and to reauthorize you to live as an overcomer, to live as a king in the house, a royal priesthood. You're not just some free prisoner. I don't know you according to the flesh anymore. Slave, prisoner, orphan. You are now my son, my daughter. Yes, a slave in a way, but I'm reinstated with dignity and honor and the image of God. Why? Because the mediator paid the price fully to buy me back. Is that not beautiful? That's what happened to you, apparently, the day that Christ redeemed you. Glory to God. And then the last picture is this one right here of substitution. These are all pictures that accomplish righteousness with God. Again, we have the picture of Francois is in prison. There's a huge debt and there's a huge price to pay. In fact, I have to give my entire life to pay this penalty. So here I am stuck and the price that has to be paid is death, let's say. But then the mediator comes and he gives his life as a substitute. That's kind of what animals did back in the Old Testament. An animal represented your life. You, because of sin, had to die. That's the only gift that will release you, so to speak, is his death. But then an animal is given in your stead, in your place, as your substitute, as your replacement. So this mediator comes and says, excuse me, I will die on Francois' behalf. So the substitute dies. Why? So that I can be free and reconciled and be brought back and be hilarious and joy and I can be reinstated. That's, that's what the substitute will do. And because of that substitutionary death, 
everything will be right between me and God again. Now, in closing, why do I not experience relatedness to God? Why do I not experience freedom? Thank you, Lord! Why don't I experience being reinstated as a king with dignity and honor? And why am I not satisfied in God? See, everything's okay with me. I'm satisfied. It's this one reason. We simply do not believe that what the mediator accomplished is enough. That's our biggest issue with God. We believe God exists, but we are not entirely sure if the mediator did a proper job. So I don't feel like I should leave this prison. Maybe I should pay a little something. Maybe I'll hurt myself, cut myself, emaciate myself. Maybe I'll fast and maybe I'll do, do, do. All that is basically a statement that I don't believe that the mediator did a good job, a full job, a permanent job. And that's why the issue then the Bible would say that's going to actually create righteousness between you and God is faith. Faith, faith, faith. But faith in what? Not faith in me, faith in my mediator, that one who comes into the middle between God and I. And that's your biggest issue. That's my biggest issue with God is I'm just not sure if Jesus cut the mustard. So if you are in faith, you will live in a condemnation-free life with God. You will repent when the Holy Spirit uh, leads you into repentance, but you won't fixate on your own inadequacies and constantly beat yourself and whip yourself and question and interrogate God. You're satisfied in your Lord because you have been made righteous in Him. This is what your mediator did. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this can be my experience if I believe this.